just a boy from Kansas out to save the world from chronic diseases. And I truly mean that. Nobody is in control of your health but you. I can't heal you. Your doctor can't heal you. You have to heal you. And it's all about having the education empowerment to know what you need to be changing within yourself, within your life, to set your soul free and accomplish that best life that we all like to talk about. And I truly believe that the greatest medicine of all is to teach people how not to need it. I'm Brendan Vermeyer, the original Holistic Savage. Welcome to the Holistic Savage Podcast. Hi. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to see your face. Yeah, me too. Uh, any particular topics that you summon forth from your psyche of wanting to discuss today? No, I was just thinking about all our combos. We've had so many good combos. I thought we could just sort of roll with it because... Totally. We always do that well. Yeah. I got my little dog here. She's... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Sansa. San, ooh, Sansa. Sansa, are you, are yeah. You a Game of Thrones person then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need the reference. It's fine. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we can totally riff. Pretty much all my podcasts are just like organic riffing conversations. So, well, shall we do this thing? Let's do it. Cool. Okay. I'm ready. So, my friend, Dr. Tina Moore, welcome to the Holistic Savage Podcast, where I like to talk about all things functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, and functional psychology. Those are the pillars of the show. I am very honored and excited to have you with me, my friend. How are you today? Awesome. I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, it's an honor to be here, finally. So thank you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a little kind of how, how we know each other thing. Uh, we met at the AANP in Portland this year, and you know, have a lot of mutual friends and whatnot, but I felt like we instantly had that vibe. You're like a punk rock, <laughs> fitness, badass, naturopathic physician. Uh, so tell us, I, I'd love to kind of kickstart the convo because um, I don't know anything about your specialty with like, it's it's prolotherapy. Am I pronouncing that right? Correct. So I'm a naturopathic physician and I'm a chiropractor and I do love to swing around heavy weights. That's like my favorite thing. Yeah. And getting strong. That's what we that's what we jived on. Um, and then I think you met me right after I had just either come off the stage or was good at getting on the stage. But I just remember being like in the zone and mm -hmm. I was presenting on prolotherapy, which is a regenerative injection therapy for orthopedic conditions. So it's mm -hmm. basically utilizing natural solutions like sugar, water, literally sugar water, um, strategically injected into ligaments, tendons, and joints where they've been compromised and it causes a regenerative effect. So the joint literally regrows new cartilage, new collagen, um, lays down new tissue, gets stronger, cuts pain. And it's been around for a long time since the thirties, but my mentor, Dr. Rick Marinelli brought it to our profession in the, in the naturopathic profession in the eighties. And so, and I spent 20 years with him learning so I, I've been doing prolo more than half my life. <laughs> so. That's remarkable. See, and, and that's a whole world I don't really know anything about, but I've talked to some of our mutual friends and colleagues and they just keep saying how like you're the master of prolotherapy <laughs> and like, you know, you're teaching everybody now and you uh, obtained a lot of your knowledge from your mentor. Now you're, you know, really that, that leader in teaching others how to, you know, pay it forward. Yeah, I... So, you know, a lot of people know about 
stem cells. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the crack version of prolotherapy. Prolotherapy is the OG regenerative injection therapy. And then it grew up into platelet rich plasma and then it grew up to stem cells. Um, and yeah, I've been training since my mentor passed away in 2013. I actually sat, I actually went to the board meeting, the Oregon naturopathic, uh, naturopathic board. I sat yesterday to actually defend my, a case or not a case, but we're trying to have an impact on the scope to keep, you know, these pop-up trainings from happening. Cause there's a lot of people graduating from school and they're like, well, I learned prolo. So I'm going to go train people in prolo. And it's like, come on, you're 12. You just graduated, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I realized I did the math. I've trained over 400 naturopathic physicians in regenerative injection therapies. And that's probably more than any organization or any doctor anywhere in the world ever. And it kind of blew my mind because I, we've been sort of shunned from a lot of the organizations. And so, and my mentor used to train docs, but that only went on for a few years. So I think I've, uh, I think I've hit some massive mark. <laughs> so, yeah. It's real when people say like she's the one for to go to for training. Like that's what I do. That's what I love. That's what I committed my whole life to. I've even closed my practice since, and all I do is train doctors in marketing and prolotherapy. So amazing. Well, and now you also too like you you have your own mastermind group and everything as well because you are a very successful entrepreneurial physician, uh, and obviously as part of that, you know you can't help but want to then, um, you know, kind of illuminate the path for others that proceed. So you just had your summit that I'm so bummed that I couldn't make it. <laughs> I don't remember where I was. I was somewhere, but you had your, your summit and Quran was there and Carrie was yeah. there. And it looked like a enormous success. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it was the Doceri summit. Doceri means doctor's teacher. It's tattooed on my wrist and, uh, it's our third naturopathic tenant. And so it was called the Dosari Summit. I had Mike Mutzel was there. Gosh, I mean, Ed Rush was there, J.R. Burgess. It was such a great group. Um, Nisha Winters, I don't know if you know her, but you absolutely should know her. She's an awesome naturopathic physician doing amazing work in cancer, on, you know, integrative oncology. So, yeah, it was great. There was 130-some naturopathic doctors there. There was also acupuncturists and PTs and, like, I'm trying to spread out. There were some health coaches. And I would have loved to have you there, but you can come next year. So we'll get oh, that oh, we'll yeah. get that nailed down. And I've actually got to get the dates handled. I will make myself a note right now because I am supposed yeah. to be getting that handled today. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, it blows my mind. Like I'm already filling up my calendar for 2020. And it's just crazy how fast everything moves. Uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, got to make sure I block it off. I would love to be there. Did, um, you, did you ever see that show? I mean, maybe you're, maybe it's, I'm too old uh, for this, but it was called Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's like how I feel with you. When I watch your Instagram, I'm like, Where in the World is London? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I burned the candle at both ends this year. And so that's where I'm already, I'm, I'm using my December to take a hard step back, get my life under control, be a little bit more, you know, you don't, I think, especially I am younger and I'm an up and comer. So it's like, yeah, you kind of just got to hustle and get yourself out there. But then it's like, all right, you know, uh, respect yourself and what are the events that really matter and others that are not as high of a priority. So I'm trying to, whereas, so your event, high priority on my <laughs> list of, of 2020. And, you know, I keep saying all the cool kids go to the FDN conference. So I think we should get you uh, as a speaker I would love there. To. Yeah, it was so fun this year. We had a great lineup and you would have fit in perfectly. Everybody would just eat you up. 
I had FOMO. I was watching it go down and I was like, why am I not there? Yeah. Yeah. So. I was talking to Dr. Will Cole on a webinar last week and I got him hooked too. I was like, Will, all the cool kids go to MTN conference. <laughs> Great. Um, I've, I've been listening to his podcast. I really enjoy him. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was on ours, talked all about his, his book and everything. And we just had Dr. Jolene on and all that. Awesome. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to get all my favorite amazing people on. So I'd love to um, now start steering this conversation because I remember it was really at the the microbiome conference that we we just started talking and I think the whole world kind of like froze around us for a second. <laughs> and we found ourselves like 90 minutes later, I go back to the booth and my colleague's like, wow, you, you were gone for a while. It's like, hey, I mean, we we're having a really good conversation. And yeah. I remember the, the theme of that was like resilience. Yep. Strength mm. training and resiliency. And I remember being, if I may say, I was a little bit hungover because they were doing that thing the night before where they pour you the wine and you don't really know how much wine they are pouring you. Yeah. Which yeah. always gets me in trouble. And I texted you or I post, I don't know, I somehow I contacted you and I was like, I'm dying. I need help. Yeah, you were like, I have some 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 supplements to help you, and I was like, Oh, thank God! Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, all about that GID talks life. Oh, yeah, I've, GID. I've, got, I've got the hookup on on all of the things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was great, and then we just I was just so out of it because I was feeling so unwell, and I don't alcohol is not my friend. Um, I realized this at forty five. I'm finally accepting <laughs> yeah. this, and you and I had a great talk. Yeah, I think we were talking about strength training because you're so buff, and I was like, I don't usually see buff guys at these things. I remember at AANP, that's the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians, that's where I met you, um, like, you were like the token buff guy in the room, so, and not, not in a flirty way, but I was just like, who is this, like, what, you know, like, people who strength train are not that common, it seems like, at some of these conferences, so, a lot of the holistic yeah. community revolves around, like, yoga, and meditation, and taking supplements, and all this, which is all critical, but, um, I just think absolutely 100%. You have to strength train. Otherwise, you can't, you cannot be resilient. You'll never make it. It's, you'll never age well. And you certainly won't level up as an entrepreneur. So, and I think that's where we started. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, and I literally was just a guest on a podcast a few hours ago. And that was something. Um, so coming from my background of, of fitness and nutrition, and then now really just in the functional medicine space, um, I've been kind of, uh, I guess, taken aback a little bit by the lack of uh, awareness around, you know, fitness and movement as medicine, because like movement as medicine is where I come from. But then I don't see enough of that in the functional and naturopathic world. And although there's a lot of amazing stuff that is going on, uh, you know, obviously, if we're missing just such a fundamental. So that's where like you really resonated with me a lot is like, you're the embodiment of a holistic savage. If I've ever seen one, cause you're naturopathic <laughs> physician, chiropractor, very holistic minded, but you're also just like a punk rock savage chick that lifts heavy weights all the time. So I'd love to hear you just riff a little bit on like why you feel strength training and resistance training is so crucial as, as part of, you know, any kind of functional holistic, you know, program or, or path. Well, I think it's a non-negotiable, first of all. Like, I don't think it's something that people get to say, like, oh, I don't like that, so I don't want to. Like, I think 
with the, the goal of obtaining strength should always be first and foremost, because for one, everything else just clears up. Uh, if you're strength training on the regular, and I mean smart strength training, not like overdoing it, chasing numbers, trying to PR all the time, trying to, it's not bodybuilding, it's strength training. Mm -hmm. I know you have done some bodybuilding, but like, I do realize I watch your Instagram, like you're after strength at this point and endurance. Mm -hmm. And, um, you drink your water when you strength train, you eat your protein, you get to sleep, your sleep is improved. All these wonderful things happen. Libido improves. You want to have sex more. You want to do all the things that are good for you. Uh, you want to actually, like I said, put yourself to bed at a decent hour. You feed yourself in regular intervals because suddenly like your body's like, I need protein right now. It's not really negotiable. And it, yeah, you have metabolic flexibility, of course, because you learn to intermittent fast. But I was just really, really quickly, I was a really sick little kid. And then I somehow got really str strong as a gymnast, as a child. I was a really strong gymnast. And mm -hmm. it was like shocking how strong I was. I had like that that crazy little girl strength that you've probably seen videos of little girls and you're like, yeah. I was that girl. And then somewhere around 14, my parents moved me to Oregon and I lost the sun. Mm. Uh, I, I grew up in Southern California and I was always really fit and I was a surfer and all that. And then I suddenly found myself with no sun around. I was depressed. I started chain smoking cigarettes. I started hanging out with the punk rock kids. I started, you know, just like self-starving to death because I wasn't able to maintain that lean physique I'd always had as a young person. And suddenly I was no longer tan and I was like getting pudgy because people are just kind of pudgy in Oregon, to be honest. It's just a lot to do with the weather. And it's not even like cold weather. It's like at least with you guys where you live where it's cold, you guys maintain some semblance of physique because like that the cold at least hits your heat shock proteins. <laughs> but in Oregon, it's just like damp and everybody gets mold sickness. And mm -hmm. um, anyway, fast forward many, many years, I've had a child that was rough. She things that was not easy. Nobody was winning on that side. Um, then I was in naturopathic school and chiropractic college concurrently. So mm -hmm. I literally was just wasting away and skin and bones and sat on my ass all day long because I was in two medical programs concurrently, which was insane. Yeah. I don't know why I did that. And then I got out of school. Um, I was getting really into Pilates, which does have a strength component. And was I was responding very well to it because of my gymnastics background. But it was so kind of slow, methodical. And I, you know, I want to listen to like Metallica and Tool and like, throw shit around and yeah. like I I think in my past life I was a warrior and I really embraced that like I feel like a warrior and so I needed to do something that re represented that for me and um I thought how can I get in and out of whatever exercise I need to do in the shortest I had done running like I ran half marathons like I'd done all that nonsense all that cardio bunny 80s bullshit that all of us ladies in our middle I'm 45 so like I was right in the middle of that I was also like that girl in the early 90s. I was 18 in 1991. So like to be as skinny as humanly possible, which was all the rage, and especially in the Pacific Northwest, it was like my goal was to be for my whole arm to be as big around as my wrist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just skin and bone. So I'd done all of that. And I metabolically had pretty much fried my system out. I found myself quite ill, quite depleted. And I thought I hit 40 and I was like, like I need to eat and lift. Yeah. I, that's, I'm going to do that and see what happens. I'm going to, oh, that was the other part. I had self-starved for decades. I had bulimia. Like I'd had the whole thing. 
So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my shit together and I'm going to eat and lift. And I started eating and lifting and I hired a strength and conditioning coach. I interviewed several, not boot camp nonsense, not just straight bodybuilding, not machines. I was like, I want to deadlift and I want to, um, I don't like, I was so skinny. I was like, please don't do any body composition analysis. Cause clearly I need to gain weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I was probably 20 pounds less than I am now. It was terrible. And, um, started deadlifting and squatting. It was ridiculous, Brennan. I couldn't even hip hinge. Like I couldn't even hip hinge appropriately. Yeah. Everything was, I had chronic pain everywhere in my body. I'd been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. My SI joints were so unstable that when I stood up in the morning and I would sneeze, I'd have to brace myself against the wall because my SI would like mm. disjoint and I would mm-hmm. drop. It was mm-hmm. horrible. I would like blow ribs out just from sneezing. I was just was a I was pretty sure if I fell over, I was going to shatter. So my goal was just muscle, 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 strength, strength, strength. And that was 2013 or 2014. Mm -hmm. I mean, this stuff takes time, as you well know. Um, And so, yeah, I just started going after strength. And then I got, it was like the best antidepressant I'd ever had. It was the best everything I'd ever had. It was the best medicine. And I have had access to some of the most premier physicians in the world I was doing stuff like IV therapy back in the early nineties, ozone Mm -hmm. in the nineties, like all this stuff that's popular today that biohackers are like, Ooh, look at this new thing. It's like, come on guys. My mentor was doing this back in the eighties and nineties. So like I've had access to everything and it's all passive care Mm -hmm. and in chiropractics, we're taught to engage the patient in active care, which is I'm not going to give you a bunch of supplements and talk and this and that you're going to go do something, which is going to make you better. And so I was like, screw all this passive care. I am all for active care. I don't like victim mentality. I don't like patients who have victim mentality. I can't get into any of that. So started strength training regularly. And then, of course, I'm like you. I started geeking out because I'm like, where's the science on this? And there wasn't a ton. Like there really wasn't at that time. Much more has come out in the past few years. But I started geeking out on the science of all of it. And then Mike Mutzel called me and was like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? It was years ago, and I started talking about like strength training for women in particular and our hormones, and that took off, which kind of fed. And I eventually wrote a book with a huge chapter dedicated to the topic of muscle as medicine. And mm-hmm. well, it's very well referenced. I mean, the references are a few years old now, but I mean, shoot, it balances your immune system out. Um, it secretes your muscle secretes myokines, which is basically like your inflammatory cytokines that we're all trying to fight with fish oil and everything else. Your muscle secretes anti-inflammatory versions of that called myokines so you can literally build a you know a a slab of anti-inflammatory organ system on you it's the only way to actually build more mitochondria Mm -hmm. and all these the list goes on and on and on and i was like oh my god this is amazing like why isn't everyone doing this (laughs) like this is a Mm -hmm. no-brainer you don't you don't need all the hormones then you don't need all the supplements you don't need it increases your human growth hormone, which heals up your gut lining. So when you're, you have leaky gut, which everyone does, like all the things we are dealing with in naturopathic and functional medicine is pretty much resolved or improved significantly if you get stronger. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, come on, guys, thinking everybody would be so excited. And of course, now it's starting to catch on, but like nobody was excited. They were like, Tina, you're a meathead. I'm like, I kind of am a like closet jock meathead for sure. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, I feel great, you know, and and they watched my transformation. The people who saw me graduate from school in 2008, like they saw me graduate as a walking skeleton and they see me now and I'm like, 
So I've got, my goal is to get all the naturopathic physicians deadlifting and doing kettlebell swings, which I think I'm, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Well, so that was it. it's, you know, it was a beautiful um, synopsis to kind of lay the foundation here. And, and that's why I love uh, with my podcast of the, the four subjects of the, the spirituality, the psychology, the, you know, fitness, the medicine. Because it's all the above, and you know, certainly the world I come from are a lot of the, you know, fitness freaks and bro science and gym goers. And it's like, okay, they've got, they've got the whole like, oh yeah, you know, you you need the strength training, you need the cardio, you need nutrition. They they've got that side down, but then you know they're heating up their chicken and broccoli and plastic in the microwave <laughs> and drinking their mysterious yellow liquid out of a, you know, empty gallon and doing just the stupid stuff. But then yeah, you've got the flip side of all the very holistic and whatever. And, but then there's just a lack of resiliency in, in just, um, skinny fat, you know, and it's, and it's just one of those things of, yeah, I mean, movement as medicine, or as you just said with muscle and, you know, the body, and I think everything about the body and maybe even the soul and the psyche, which psyche means soul, but really operates around the the principle of specific adaptation to impose demand, you know, and it's like 18 years old going through my personal trainer certification and starting my career. I mean, that, that was day one is specific adaptation to impose demand in the context of fitness. But then, you know, I think that applies to much more than just, just fitness. Like we have to, you know, our, our bodies are amazingly sophisticated and adaptable and we do get better at whatever we constantly expose ourselves to. Yes. So, you know, just like if you go to bed at 10 p.m. every night and wake up at 6 a.m. every day, we all know we start programming that circadian rhythm and all of the hormones that regulate that to get good at that. Or, you know, we program our neuroplasticity to uh, create these routines and patterns and behaviors. But again, it's just all that specific adaptation. So it's like if you want strength, you want you know, resistance to inflammation, you know, we see that, hey, you know, the the more you expose yourself to like an appropriate dose of inflammation inducing activities, such as working out, well, your body becomes more resilient to inflammation, you know, so um, I think we have to kind of look at it more critically, and in, in through that multifaceted lens, like you're talking about. Totally. And to me, it's just, I love, love, love the idea of hormesis, which mm -hmm. for the audience probably knows, but maybe not. It's, it's basically in my head, it's um, increments of modulated stress. So you mm -hmm. expose the organism to something stressful that it can handle, and then you rest it and feed it. And then you hit it with stress, and then you rest it and feed it. And my background as a chiropractor, I'm particularly interested in the central nervous system and in neurology. Mm -hmm. And it's something I don't post about a lot because it's highly complicated, and it's not mm -hmm. easy to distill down into normal terms. And every time I do post about it, I end up getting a million questions, and I'm like, I don't really want to talk about this. I'm kind of the pain and orthopedic gal, you know? But um, I have a particular interest, and particularly in like neuroinflammation, traumatic brain injuries, which we've all had. I know as a gymnast, I've had several car mm -hmm. accidents, this and that, which downregulates all the stuff everyone else is talking about on Instagram, <laughs> which is all the other things. I'm like, dude, it's all coming from brain inflammation. And to me, um, exposing my body and my psyche and my uh, just my free will to hormetic stressors on the regular. And then resting. I think the key is the rest. You and I, mm -hmm. we go, go, go with our travel and our entrepreneurialism. And the key really does come in that those rest periods. 
that's when you get still and all the magic happens and all the creativity. But um, that's also when you heal. And the easiest way to explain this or an example would be like a plant. Like I tend to leave my plants to sort of wilt a little bit and then I hit Mm -hmm. them with water and they go. Yeah. That's hormesis. And Mm -hmm. strength training is the most controlled, best hormetic stressor I can think of because you go in there for a very short amount of time. You hit it hard. When you're doing those massive deadlifts or I'm doing like a bunch of snatches with a heavy bell, my CNS is getting hit hard to the point where I go home sometimes and just start crying because mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I have you ever done that on the deadlift platform where you just like sat down and just felt tears come to your eyes? Cause you're just like, Holy, like your CNS just went. Oh, it zaps you. It does, but then you have to go rest it. But then you come back a few days later and you're 10 times stronger mm-hmm. physically, mentally, your brain, your, I can't even imagine what kind of BDNF that sets off in the brain. Mm-hmm. Way, way better than like hit or running. I'm sorry. They're not doing studies on it because they're just not yet, mm-hmm. but they will. And then I think also strength translates into every aspect of my life. So when somebody, at first it makes me super calm because I get a ton of GABA and dopamine out of it. But when people start popping off to me, I, I literally, I'm like, man, I could deadlift you. So I, like your point is irrelevant. Like you're mm-hmm. like, go take your crazy monkey somewhere else because mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. I just not even feeling it you know and it's made me a calmer more strategic it's made me a better leader mm-hmm. made me a better doctor better mom better partner to, to better friend but um and it's also given me like the grit and balls to step up when I need to and just say no mm-hmm. or just be like I'm calling bullshit here straight mm-hmm. up like this is not okay whereas before I would have like been more passive aggressive about it or been more meek or matched Mm -hmm. whoever's doing it. I would match their persona more. And now I'm just like, yo, I'm here. I'm going to take up space. I think as a woman, we are told not to take up space. And I am like, I'm here to say I'm taking up the space. I'm not going to just try to be skinny and fit into some little hole in the room where I, where they made space for me. You know, it's like, I'm here and I'm in charge and it's garnered me a lot more respect when I walk in a room, particularly in a room full of physicians, people are like, whoa, she's fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who are fit, their lights are on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, they are. Their lights are on. I don't care how well-educated they are. I don't care what kind of degrees they have or not. They are sharp. Like, I want them on my zombie apocalypse team. Right. Far more than I want the scholar who's overweight over here and never moves. Like, I mm-hmm. want the person who knows how to move. And I don't know. And, you know, the last thing I'll say on this long winded rant is that grit can be honed. Grit is like the one delineating factor. You've probably read Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. And she, she proves in there through her studies that like, it's not income. It's not education. It's not any of those things that people say, Oh, well, they're blessed. They came from a rich family or Mm -hmm. they're just smart. Success 100% comes down to your level of grit and grit can be honed. So Mm -hmm. I do everything I can to hone my grit. Because that's how I'm going to get more successful. Absolutely. I loved every every word of that. And you mentioned um, Paul Anderson before uh, we got started. And I, speaking of, I, I, was speak, I was speaking at Paul Anderson's um, AAMP. On, it was an oncology-themed conference. This was like two months ago. I, I know. I can't believe I didn't go. I have some yeah. PTSD around cancer, so yeah. I didn't go. But I should yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was a great conference. And um, while I was in the back getting mic'd up for my talk, um, I got to listen to Paul, you know, lecture a little bit. And he was talking about, you know, nutrition and cancer care. And um, 
one of the things he just directly mentioned, he just, he's like, guys, let's not like overcomplicate or overthink it, think it more muscle equals better longevity with your cancer patients, period. Period. You know, I was like, Paul, like, you know, like, all right, you know, good. Like we don't need to overcomplicate it, you know, more, more lean tissue mass period. And, and, you know, we all know kind of the, the basic science of it, but I love what you said about grit because I definitely, um, are you familiar with, uh, shoot, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, Goggins, David Goggins. Navy no, Steel. but I've heard of him, but I don't know. Yeah. So I haven't read his book, but, um, you know, I did join the Navy after high school and I kind of have my mm-hmm. little, my mini seal story. And, you know, that was, uh, I was mean to myself as a kid, you know, I, I grew up doing martial arts and wrestling and, you know, I was big into like samurai culture and kind of this like honorable warrior that like I will slash your head off, but I will <laughs> cut, you know cut my own intestine out for the greater good. And you know, and I, do, I love you for this. <laughs> oh yeah, just I, I was a little holistic savage I, I, before I, I realized you. it. Yeah, totally. I know I'm all like peace, love, and let's raise the collective vibration. But at the same time, like I'll I'll slice your head off if I have to. You know, sometimes and, you got to get your teeth kicked in. Oh, absolutely. And I think a big part of, you know, like life is your ability to to be resilient. You know, like at the end of the day, I always joke about this, but, you know, we are more bacteria than human. We have more bacterial cells on us and in us than human cells. And I kind of look at the human species as, as like we're kind of a microbe on the face of this planet. And if we don't have resilience, if we don't have that intrinsic desire to pursue continuity. And I think every facet of our biochemistry and physiology that has been molded through the grand trial and error of Darwinistic evolution, every little bit of that has programmed us to want to continue, but not just as a single organism, but as part of a collective, a species. You know, the the power of the individual microbe is not as powerful as the collective. There's a reason why they produce the biofilm and you know, have the quorum sensing to communicate. The Borg. They are the Borg. (laughs) Straight up. So it's like, it's, it's like the number one thing we need for survival and continuity is resilience. And you mentioned something about plants earlier. You know, I'm very proud of my plant children, but like I pet my plant children. I kind (laughs) of, you know, I bought their leaves and stuff because it's like they, you know, they need that stimuli. If you don't use it, you lose it. And it's no different with your gray matter, your bicep. Um, totally. I think the grit thing, if, I don't know, it's one of those, like nobody can ever really hurt me anymore because like I've hurt myself more than anybody else is ever going to hurt me. I've pushed myself to those deep, dark, uncomfortable, painful places. And it's like, if you can do that, you have the grit to go to that depth within yourself nobody else is going to be able to touch you. And all of a sudden you become the master of your reality. And you become fearless. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't think of it. I I was teaching my prolotherapy group. I have a prolotherapy mastermind and we were, we met this weekend. I was teaching them upper extremity and I was like, you guys, no joke, shoulders hard. I'm just going to start with that. Like, this isn't going to be an easy day. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not trying to scare you, but like, this is hard. Everything you think, you know, everything you think you can palpate, throw it out because you're all going to have a moment where you want to cry. And then my friend later was like, well, you're scary. And I'm like, I'm so not scary. I'm so, I'm ridiculously patient when it comes to training my prolo group, but I also have high expectations. And I think I'm the same way in the world is like, 
I just expect more out of people. I've oh. had I've had men in my life that were my partners. They're like, you're high maintenance. I'm like, no, I'm not, dude. Not high. I'm like the least high maintenance girl you could meet because I'm about as big of a tomboy as they get. I don't do nails. I don't do hair. I don't do any of that. But I have high expectations because I personally have endured. And I, I use I use the term rally. There's times when I'm with my daughter, who is not the most resilient creature uh, at this point, but she's getting there. And I've been with different people and I'm like, come on, you got to rally. Like whether that means put on a smile and go show up or get the thing done and make it happen or get out of bed and do whatever, but go do the hard thing, Mm -hmm. do the hard things. Like that's a hashtag I use a lot. Do hard things, do hard things pretty consistently. (laughs) It makes you a better person. It makes you more functional in society. It makes you a better citizen in the world. Um, I think we owe it. We forget that part. Like as a citizen in the world, I need to be able to like pull a bookcase off of you. If you get hurt, I need to be able to pull you to safety instead of just being like, Oh no, I was, I I went downstairs to my apartment building. I live in an apartment in Portland and I went downstairs to, I had done a bunch of Christmas shopping and everything got shipped in and I had all these boxes like stacked up to here, you know? And I'm coming out of the elevator. Guys always want to help me. They're just like, oh, let me get that for you. And like, this guy's like way skinnier than I am. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. (laughs) I lift a lot of weights. That's what I always say. I'm like, I'm fine. I lift a lot of weights. And I just thought to myself, how do normal people like function? (laughs) Like people, people who aren't strong, like that would have been like four trips for me 10 years ago. Um, when I move, like if I move furniture or I move, I've, I've had a lot of moves in the past few years, like locations and my clinic and everything. And I'm like, how do my, my assistant's really strong. She's like six foot, gorgeous, strong lady. And we're like, how do normal people like get through the day without having the ability? Cause we pick some shit up together. Mm-hmm. Like the two, the, the two of our guys are like, what are you two little girls doing? We pick some heavy stuff up and move. And we're like, we're fine. And we're just, I'm just thinking like, how much more help would I have to ask for? Mm-hmm. Which is like, I, I used to not be able to get lids off jars. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's just not, I need to be, I need to take care of myself. And I also need to be helpful to those around me. And ultimately, we need to not be burdened on our families as we age. Mm-hmm. That is something that I never see discussed on Instagram because Instagram's full of younger people. But when I see like my, my father is a great example of somebody who just let it all go and is a huge burden on my mother. And it makes me beyond angry to watch because he taught me everything I know about being tenacious and having grit. <laughs> he taught me how to show up and be strong. And then I see people doing this regularly or even women my age who are like, I have chronic migraines. I don't mm-hmm. feel good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why don't you put the Pepsi down? And go to the gym. I'm not saying that's going to solve everything, but right. I get I get that so much. I have arthritis. I can't lift weights. I'm like, yeah, you can. Hire a good mm-hmm. strength and conditioning coach and work around the arthritis. You want to see my joints under X-ray? They look like hell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop me. I have herniated discs. That doesn't stop me. It's it's just crazy to me how as a society we literally we almost celebrate wussiness. Yeah. Oh yeah. I. Definitely can, have a lot of st- strong opinions and thoughts <laughs> on that. It, it, you know, and the the funny thing, there's definitely this kind of millennial hipster 
spiritual awakening, holistic movement where like, and don't get me wrong, I'm pretty good at, at doing the flowery language and oh, the yeah. very woo-woo existential. I, I, I enjoy that as much as the next guy, Aubrey Marcus or whatever. But at the same time, it, it, it gets to a point where it just becomes this flowery dance where you're not just directly saying what you mean you're you're dancing around it to avoid offending them because people love to get offended and yes. love to be a victim and and so then it just becomes this overcomplicated dance uh and it's just like wow we're just man can we just like harden up a little bit and so that's where like david goggins his whole thing you know he's one of a very small handfuls of african americans that has gone through the navy seal training program and, you know, he is now famous. His book is like, You Can't Hurt Me or something. Yeah, I've listened to like the first four chapters. I just, I can't say with authority that I know the whole yeah, story. Yeah, totally. I, 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 didn't, I, even, I didn't finish it yet. Yeah, I, I haven't even read his book or anything, but I just know of him and the SEAL culture. And, you know, I've met a lot of cool SEALs and, you know, those guys are as hard as they come. Good. You know, they hard let, as they come. You have to tap out. That's the thing I love about Navy SEALs. You choose when you leave. Yeah. They Ring that fucking bell. <laughs> You're tired. You want to quit. Life is a little hard. You know, so that's where I think, uh, re yeah, resilience of the body and the mind is, I mean, if I could have one life skill, I think it would be resilience of the body and the mind. You know, how do you, Goggins always kind of describes uh, life, reality as uh, psychological warfare that none of us have any training coming into this world. We all just get spit out as little blobby babies. We have no training to be prepared for the psychological warfare that is life. And that's kind of his wording, which might be a little cynical or maybe a little dark and intense. But hey, you know what? Like if you're a Navy SEAL and kicking down doors and shooting terrorists, you're probably going to be one hard motherfucker. So well, he, yeah, like, he had like a pretty tumultuous childhood. Oh, which, totally. Who, who hasn't had? I mean, yeah. his was gnarly, but really, you know, I like through doing whatever you want to call it shadow work whatever i really i really yeah. dug in this summer when mm -hmm. i that's i was like digging into the shit when i met you i was digging in so hard that i was just like i had no filter mm -hmm. the, the, i remember when i met you i hadn't actually gone out to, to be around people in weeks because i had been in this like state where i was really digging in and like letting the feelings flow and letting the grief come through me and just like i took like a month off work and i was just like i'm gonna just feel the feels and process this shit that i've been blocking and carrying around with me my whole life so when i met you i was like i don't have a filter <laughs> <laughs> i here's, loved it here's everything and i'm hungover so i really have no filter <laughs> you got like the most raw version and then that's why at aom i didn't talk to a lot of people because i'm like i was very it was very apparent i did not have a filter yet and um, I don't normally have much of a filter anyway, but I really yeah. was like, I was very raw there too. So I was just kind of, you know, trying to do my show and get off stage. But no, you're so right. I had a lot of abuse, a lot. I endured a lot of abuse as a young person. And when I finally realized that without feeling shame, without feeling like I had anything, it occurred to me through whatever you want to call it. I was talking like, whether it was I talking to God, the universal consciousness, I don't know. But I heard this clear message, like, it's not yours. Like mm -hmm. you don't get to carry this burden anymore. And I realized I was carrying it like a badge of honor. Mm. 
all this abuse and all this crap. I, I mean, if I told you my whole story, you'd be like, wow, this is like a crazy lifetime movie. And I, I'm sure we all have that, but I really was like wearing it like this sort of, it was like this coat I was carrying around for everybody else. And the voice was like, this isn't yours. Like, actually it's so much not yours. You don't even get to have it anymore. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't even get to be part of your story. Like Mm -hmm. let it go, like hand it over Mm -hmm. and move on because it's going to kill you. And I was like, holy crap. You know, it's, it's just crazy how much we endure. And I, you know, as a kid, I got in fist fights. I was, I got in a lot of fist fights. I beat up a lot of boys. I moved a lot. Um, I moved a lot, a lot. And I would just get harassed by boys because I was a pretty girl. And so I would have to like, literally like they'd pull my skirt off or whatever. They beat me up. So I had to defend myself. And I remember really clearly being around 12 or 13 and I couldn't throw a punch anymore. Like it wasn't okay Mm. for a girl to pull a punch or throw a punch. So I had to use my words and I learned to be vicious with Mm. my tongue. To the point where like I could make somebody feel small and stupid within a millisecond and shut them down. So they're like, I don't know what, like I hit them energetically and they're like, I don't know what just happened to me, but I don't feel good. And I don't know what to say. And I'm like, yep. Bye. And that's horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a horrible, horrible thing to have to learn. But when you endure enough and you, and as a woman, you're not allowed to defend yourself physically anymore. You take to vicious viper words. And I see a lot of that degradation in our society. I see a lot of there's a war on testosterone. We're not, men are not allowed to be men and do yeah. the things that give men good hormonal status, like provide, go kill things, bring it home, lift mm-hmm. heavy things, have sex, like good, good, healthy sex. Mm-hmm. It doesn't all have to be soft and sweet, you know, yeah. like it should be a sport <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. And like be the warrior that they are. And then women, our oxytocin elevates when we're touched, when we are cuddled, when we get to cuddle pets and kids and other people, when we chop brightly colored vegetables, when we submerge in water, when we have pressure on us. I think that's why the gravity blankets are so nice and like baths, Epsom salt baths, all the things that like make our oxytocin go woo, which also then leads to this awesome sequence of events for the rest of our hormones. Mm-hmm. And we have just completely mixed all of that for both sexes in in current society yeah it's all mixed up and people are suffering relationships are suffering and it's hard and people's Mm -hmm. health is now suffering because of this and i'm like if you like men when they're 25 they want to like fuck fight or kill things yeah and we don't let them we tell them that's toxic masculinity Mm mm-hmm and then women, I'm, I am totally all for the Me Too movement. I'm glad people have spoken up because I have been sexually harassed beyond belief. But at the same time, I also think as a woman, I have the ability to put muscle mass on, stand up straight, give them a death flare and shut it down. Mm-hmm. I know not every woman is in that position. I have, I'm, and I'm not, please know, I have been in positions where I was, the power struggle was real and I had to just do whatever I had to do to get out of there and not get raped or not get hurt. But I get it. And this is age. I know I'm 45 and I can say this with my age, but man, looking back at what all of that was just like, I was taught so wrong. And then I played into it all. And I was like, why didn't they just like teach me how to squat and deadlift and box and do all the cool things when I was like 20 Mm -hmm. instead of putting me on antidepressants and throwing me in therapy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I don't know. I mean, that's a kind of a side rant, but that's no. how I really feel. I just, I see these young women struggling and I'm like, man, if you just went and got strong, that mm-hmm. would just change everything. 
And then, you know, learn the lessons and then let men be men and let women be women, but teach them how to do it in a way that's just hugely respectful and mm-hmm. full of compassion and uh, awareness that you can be a strong masculine male and still be kind and comforting and like, you know. Mm-hmm. I think you're so right. Yeah, you're bringing up so many good things I want to dig into because like with – um you know, in today's world, it's all about radical acceptance. You can be whatever you want. If you want to identify as a velociraptor, you can identify as a velociraptor, (laughs) you know, which I don't know, that's kind of attractive (laughs) to me. I'm a super chill guy. It's like you, you do you, I'm going to do me and whatever, you know, Uh, I don't like, it's not that I don't care, but like, yeah, you're free to, as long as you're not causing harm to yourself or others, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. It's no one's business. I don't think people need to get so now with that said though, I remember this might be a better segue into it so that I don't offend anybody, but you know, it's kind of like if you get offended listening to my podcast, one, you need more resilience (laughs) Two, I don't think this is the right podcast for you, (laughs) but it's one of those. um, I remember when I was going through my precision nutrition level two certification, this was years ago. There was, you know, it's a master nutrition coaching program. There was literally a whole unit about how to effectively coach somebody who is transgender or going through like some kind of transgender hormone treatment or surgical. Um, And they were presenting both kind of the psychological, the sociological and the endocrinological uh, sciences of it of like, okay, like a random example. Look, we've, we were all ingesting a lot of bisphenol A all day, every day with all of our plastics. We know that bisphenol A is a, you know, estrogen mimetic of sorts. And, so my point being, a lot of the environmental and, uh, you know, factors of our current current society are, are quite literally messing up our hormones um, from more of a black and white physiological perspective. But then our behaviors and, and then what we're choosing to deem appropriate and not, like you're saying of, no, it's not accepted. You know, if, if uh, some jerk grabs your girlfriend's ass at a bar, you can't just punch him, you know, right. whereas you know, I have to be Mr. Soft Gentleman and let's result. No, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking punch you. You know what I mean? Cause that's what you deserve, you know? And, uh, I totally agree. Just saw it's such a, so let's talk about victim mentality a little bit because yeah. I, I touch on it in just about every episode. And I really do feel that there's a bit of a victim mentality crisis going on. Yes. Yeah. So I'll just say that before I close my practice, it was application only. And, half the questions were basically trying to get to the root of whether mm-hmm. somebody had a victim mentality. Cause if they did, I wasn't going to treat them Yeah, and they weren't, they weren't welcome in my practice. Cause you can't get somebody, I treat pain. You can't get somebody out of pain who is accepting that pain as a life sentence and mm-hmm. because they feel like they deserve it or it's somebody else's fault. It's all, yeah, a lot of bad shit happens, but yeah. you know, like we got to get over it. I, I don't know. I have had some bad things happen to me by people that I loved and I got, I had to get over it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it was going to kill me. It's going to manifest as cancer or heart disease or both. And mm-hmm. I just, you know what, not getting over it really allows that person to continue to abuse you. First of all, <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they get to abuse you every single day when you have that physiologic response, when you think about it and then B um, you don't get to move forward. I don't get mm-hmm. to have the things I want. I don't get to have, it's funny. And as I have leveled up in my success, as my income has increased over the years, the moments where I stall are twofold. 
one, it's always my health. My health really has been a bit brittle because I was so awful to myself. I spoke so poorly to myself for so long that I ended up manifesting with a bunch of autoimmune nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I did it to myself. I chain smoked. Mm-hmm. I ate poorly. I did all the bad things. Um, I still do bad things. You know, I still drink too much sometimes. And I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> you know, I, like when I met you and I was like, oh, geez, I did this to myself. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I treated myself terribly poorly. I ended up really sick from it all. I climbed out of the hole. I climbed out of the hole a few times. I have rebuilt my physical being a few times. And so when people... Somebody accused me in my profession the other day of being entitled, and uh, and 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 uh, they were like, "Well, you're, you know, you have privilege, and you don't understand." And I'm like, "Oh my God, let's just talk about the fact that when I was where she was at, I was, I had no financial support. We were in the biggest recession of my lifetime. There were no small business loans being given out. I was in the middle of a vicious divorce. I was in bankruptcy, and I had a two and a half year old, and I was a single mom." And I had a cash practice that I was damned if I was going to take insurance. So like, really, I'm, <laughs> I'm privileged. Mm-hmm. And I didn't blame anybody for that. I just knew I had to get out of it. I knew I wanted to live in a better house and a nicer neighborhood than I was in. I was in kind of a crack neighborhood with my little daughter. And I knew I wanted to keep my dogs in my house. I didn't want to have to get rid of my dogs and break up the family unit. And I Knew I wanted to be able to buy my daughter that Nintendo if she, whatever, whatever it was, you know, as, as we progressed through that time period. And, um, well, I'm sorry, she was eight then. She was two when I started school, but we did it. <laughs> you know, we just, I just did it. Mm-hmm. And the, I get, I get hung up by that 12 year old girl in my head, whoever Tina was when she was 12, like comes in and starts to, great at me. So every time I want to level up my income or level up my impact, I realize I have work to do. It's always that work. It's either my health or it's this, whatever it is, whatever that nonsense is, those tapes we play ourselves. And so then it's up to me to level one of those or both of those things up. And then I get to the next tier and I'm not allowed to get to the next tier or even have relationships with people like you, like maybe five years ago, you and I wouldn't have jived as much, you know? So like, just to have good working relationships with people I admire and respect really requires me to sit back and like take a hard look at myself. I like to sort of meditate and be the observer and put me in the picture. So I'm, I'm in it. I'm watching myself go down and you know, the whole thing go down and I'm in mm-hmm. it. I'm like, all right. And then also my health, you know, really, really honoring that I am not as physically resilient as I like to say now that I strength train that my ass matches my sass. Mm, oh Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty perfect. <laughs> but but um, I still have some brittle immune system stuff and mm. like a little too much of this and a too much of that. And I wake up with a cold sore. My heart rate variability tanks out. And I'm like, all right, all right. That's, I, but at least I can track it now with some of these cool gizmos and I can see in real time. But it's all just basic treatment guidelines. Mm-hmm. Lift heavy things. Go to sleep cut toxic relationships, man, that's a big one. This year I've had like these energetic scissors out. I'm like, even if I love the person, I was just on a podcast talking about this. I may love the person wholeheartedly, but they're not in good management of their monkeys. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care what age you are. You either need to learn to cage those monkeys up or put a leash on them or whatever, but don't bring them at me and don't Mm -hmm. keep bringing them at me. And I just can't. (laughs) Just, yeah. I love you, like love and light. I do. I send them blessings. 
Maybe our relationships will circle back. Maybe me severing that relationship will cause a permanent, you know, rift. And I'm willing to accept that at this point in my life. I don't think I was nearly as enlightened as you are at your age. Um, but I feel like I just can't, I can't have those. Someone brings my cortisol up more than three times. They got to go. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. I, I was having a cortisol spike at 8 PM last night and I was starting to freak out of like, why am I dealing with this? Like, why am I <laughs> feeling so stressed at 8 PM at night? And it was just one of those things, but you know, I do, I think we have to be, and something I've been reflecting on lately, because we definitely are in, uh, I, I think previous generations, because we just, we didn't have the sophistication of society and the, the luxury and safety to be as, um, uh, to be as like self, I don't even know really what the word is, but there's definitely a movement today of kind of put yourself first, take care of yourself before you take care of others. Self-care, all the self-care. And I think there's definitely a balance to be struck in between, yeah, don't just like irresponsibly pour out everything you have into, because yeah, the world will suck you dry and just take and take and take. At the same time, you know, I definitely believe in a certain amount of like generosity and, you know, practicing unconditional love. But, you know, practicing unconditional love for self and others does mean exactly what you're what you're saying, where, um, no, if something is is robbing you of your energy and is costing you and is toxic in nature. And I love how these days with science, we are bridging that gap and we are starting to understand more of like, hey, you know, autoimmunity or cancer, it's not just the genetic predisposition. It's not just the shitty food or the toxic environment. It's also your gosh darn, you know, stories that you're telling yourself and, you know, all, all really starting up here. And so that's where we really are starting to understand or at least be able to appreciate more the, the power of, of self choice and, you know, choosing to be resilient or choosing to be a victim. It's a choice. And it's not a one and done, you know, it's a choice that you have to make like every Every second, every day with every encounter, you know? Yeah. I mean, I might, it's, it's funny. I was in the car with my mom and my daughter, both of which almost died this year. I almost lost both my, both of them. And like, we're like a coven. We're like a magic triad coven and we're in the car and something came up. My daughter said something. It was not great. It was not good news. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. We'll get it. It's fine. And my mom started cracking up and she's like, you say everything's fine. Like, that's your immediate response. I'm like, well, because it is, do I have any other choice? Like, it it has to be fine. We're going to figure it out. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And my daughter's laughing and my mom's laughing. And they were like, we're not saying it's bad that you say that, but you say that over everything. And I'm like, or I'll say, I got this. Don't worry, I got it. Yeah. And, And I don't mean I got it by myself. I might delegate. I might bring in help. I might call in the troops. But like. I either got it or it's fine. Cause what are, what's the other option? Like curl right. up in a ball and cry. Right. Yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fail, guess, flop, roll around on the ground, kick and scream. I mean, what are you going to do? What do normal people do? I'll tell you, I coach, I, I've been coaching. I've got like 46 docs I've been coaching this year and it's been such an honor to watch them all level up in such exorbitant ways, but it's been an enormous, um, just, interest I you know marketing is all psychology to me mm-hmm. and sociology my background was in sociology and animal mm-hmm. behaviorism so like how animals act together yeah, <laughs> basically totally, totally. that's all marketing is and 
it's been so interesting to see the blocks Mm. that they have and it's all based around fear of putting themselves out there Mm. and people like you and i just do it it's like not it hasn't even occurred to me to be afraid but to them it's real and it's real in a way and i respect it i do i respect where they're coming from Um, i'm not like well come on just do it like get over it Mm. i do tell them you kind of you have to do this if you want to market if you want to be successful and be the captain of your own ship and really run your own practice and and be in charge of how much money you make instead of like leaving it up to fate. Mm-hmm. You really do have to learn to put yourself out there and be resilient and brave, but there is a lot of fear about putting themselves out there. And when I ask, when I inquire, comes down often to fear of what their colleagues are going to say. Mm-hmm. They're first and foremost afraid of their family, their friends and their colleagues. Yeah. Which is so interesting to me because those are supposed to be the people that are in your camp. Right. But they never are. It, I mean, they are sometimes. But I will say when you come out, and maybe you had this experience too, when you first came out online or first put yourself out there regularly, it's your friends, family, and colleagues that take the hits first. <laughs> They're the first ones shooting. Yep. And you're just like, you know, that scene in Wonder Have you seen Wonder Woman? Oh, yes. Love The scene where she Love comes it. out on the battlefield, like, I just immediately, I'm in the theater with my ex-boyfriend, and I just start bawling. Mm-hmm. Like, just falling because i was like i know exactly what that feels like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just to be the one person out there taking all the hits and i I, but every time i do it i get more resilient yes so that's what i try to teach them i'm like every time you do an instagram live or you do a facebook live or you do something you do something brave you get braver yeah and content begets more content but really i should say bravery begets more bravery because you have to practice Mm. bravery it's a muscle you have mm-hmm. to practice resilience and grit. You have to just keep doing. You can take the grit score online. <clears throat> just Google grit quiz. You can take it. You can see how gritty you are. And then you can do things to hone your grit. And you can take the test and see that you've gotten grittier. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I love that. And that kind of gives us a perfect segue into um, another topic where, you know, first off, I totally agree. It's funny. Like with... Uh, I don't know that I could say like any one thing really switched for me. I just kind of started putting myself out there more. And, you know, it was kind of an organic process. The more I put myself out there, the more positively people responded. Hey, you know, I get trolled too. I get people that, you know, it it happens to everybody. But, you know, like, I don't really give a fuck about (laughs) You you know what I mean? I think that's the key. You just have to not give a fuck. And you're like, oh, okay. Good for you. Nice yeah. opinion. Bye bye. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak my truth, and you know, social media is a direct reflection of our ego in a lot of ways, as we do project our truth and project our ego out there. And it's like, well, it's up to you if you want to follow or or not. Um, it is funny though what you said about the you know friends, family, and colleagues. I love my parents, but they do keep telling me like, oh, stop, stop using profanity on the yeah. internet. I'm like. <laughs> Mom, dad, love you, but it is what it is. Don't listen to my podcast. I don't know what to tell you, but I get the same. My mom uh, gives me the whole spiel, and I'm like, Mom, you're not my avatar. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. You're not Sorry. who I'm. I'm not marketing to 70 something year old women. I love 70 something year old women, but if they don't love me, like I'm here to speak my truth. Yeah, exactly. So I love the uh, the Wonder Woman anal- analogy and uh, the concept of being brave. And uh, I think, yeah, bravery. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the more that I kind of think about it, I think there's a lot of like classic ideals that have always really been, um, integral in our species 
moral belief system throughout our entire existence on the face of the planet. You know, every successful civilization, Roman Empire or, you know, you fill in the, the blank of whatever empire or civilization we're talking about. But they always had these ideals, you know, honor, discipline, integrity. And uh, I think a lot of these idealistic uh, values that have always been so important to our species, I think they are grossly missing in modern America. And they've been replaced with victim mentality, instant gratification, uh, you know, all these uh, less than ideal behaviors, if you will. And so I think being brave. When did we stop being, you know, uh, land of the free, home of the brave? Where did that go? I don't know. know. I don't know. And it's villainized. It's almost villainized at this point. Yeah. You know, we, 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 I'll say it and it will offend people. We shame people for being fit. Yeah. Like, oh, he must be a meathead. Yeah. Or she, you know, it must be all they care about. And I'm like, it's a badge of honor to mm-hmm. walk around with muscle. Like, I did this. I built this. This was hard for me. I'm not an easy gainer. I don't just gain muscle readily. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not a big eater. I've got a lot of reasons why I don't. It's not, you know, and it's like, when did that happen? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. super confused by it. And I also am super confused by why we villainize even health. I mean, how many times have you? I, I So I was OG gluten-free, like way back before it was cool. There was no paleo diet when I was eating. Mm. Literally, there was no paleo diet when I was eating paleo. It didn't exist yet. (laughs) There was no such thing. It was just an anti-inflammatory diet, right? Right. And um, I I called it the meat and vegetables diet. And Mm -hmm. I got so much shit from even my colleagues. I remember being in chiropractic college and having my colleagues just rant at me like, what is this gluten-free nonsense? We've never heard of this. Da, 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 on and on. Just every time I ate a meal in the cafeteria, I had to hear about my meal. And I was like, you guys can all go fuck yourselves because I'm 10 years older than all of you and I have a betty, better body composition than any of you. So mm-hmm. just stop, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think the beautiful test of time for people who give me any amount of grief is I would, lo- and I am not saying I'm the most beautiful woman, but I would love to see what they look like when they're my age. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just go. Let's just count down on the timer and see how Facebook plays this one out. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's see you at 45 with your big opinions where you want to trash on me. I'm doing what works. And I've always done what works. I used to not eat breakfast and I got called anorexic. And I was like, oh, now it's intermittent fasting. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Yeah. All, all these things. And I just think that um, it took a lot of bravery just to walk my own path. I always walked my, I think that was it though. I was a little punk rock girl. So like none of this was different to me. I got baseballs thrown at my head and I got I mean I've just always been harassed for beating to my own drum and I think that's helped me in later years be the leader I am and be the doctor I am and be the person I am but man our own take hits at us my own profession takes hits at me mm-hmm. I just got kicked out and barred and blocked from like the big naturopathic Facebook group mm-hmm. for no reason they just didn't like the way I said something oh I was, yeah. I was being snarky <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They got, they got new admin and they invited me back in and I was like, I'm going to pause on this and we'll see. Cause I love my profession more than anything, but I was like, that's a little adversarial in there, but mm-hmm. it's so, it's so weird. And also how do you take those hits? Right. Cause mm-hmm. I, I know that I used to take those hits and get really offended and be like, why did they say that to me? And, and now I'm just like, you know what? That's their shit. To me, it's just clearly, it used to be so, and I still get a little I still get a little like feelings when people say smack to me, but now I just realize like that's them. Yeah. Wherever they're, wherever they are, whatever they're, wherever they're coming from. Sometimes 
shoot, you just might be the person in the line of fire. It has nothing to do with totally. you. And I, I had a patient say to me, you know, what people think of you is none of your business. Mm-hmm. And that just really has resonated with me the past few years where I'm like, I, you know, this is, and, and when I get heated up about somebody, it's probably something that's going on with me. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a mirror. Oh, it's totally. Just, just a mirror. They're holding it in front of me. And I just, I need to sit with that. So mm-hmm. I'm not perfect by at this by any means. I am known to have a hot temper, but I am learning. And I'm learning a lot really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's nice to get older. I, I can say that brings a level of calmness. Yeah. But, but man, um, people just sort of run around. And off, I think some people live their whole lives in that reactive state. Yeah. They never get to the place where they like sit with the thing. I know this because I'm dating right now. And a lot of men in my age group haven't done the work yet. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how are you not? Like, how are you 45, 50 and you haven't oh, yeah. done the deep work? Like, it's just part of being a, a grown-up. Yeah, I've got to say, trying to date as a young 27 <laughs> dude. Um, Good luck. <laughs> damn. I hear there's a lot of uh, yoga, yoga, yoga selfies and um, Snapchat filters on the oh. dating apps. I'm like, why would you put puppy dog Snapchat filters on your dating Yeah, it's an interesting world we live in. but. Um, yeah, you said, uh, you know, I think the, the, the being brave and, you know, this, uh, I think a lot of people, they really need to sit with themselves and, and get a, a deeper sense of self. I think, you know, so many people like it's, it's a lot easier to throw a rock at you and direct their inadequacies and self-loathing it's easier for them to project that at you through harassment than it is for them to yeah sit with themselves and and face their own uh insecure you know and so people are always trying to kind of bring down and you know it is such a shame because it's like you know i see all the amazing work you're doing out there but then i also do know some of the shit that you have to deal with or i mean shit um the the gym i started my career at they were trying to get me kicked out and slandering my name and stuff over over nothing false allegations and why probably because they feel threatened you know i'm i'm honestly i'm flattered i'm flattered you feel so threatened by me because i'm just doing me you know it tells me i'm doing something right i guess yeah i've had some people who had much bigger followings than me much more influence like say smack or just do things that were unsavory. And I was like, what, what, how am I even a threat to you? Yeah. Like I have 10 times less followers and whatever. And it's, I don't know. It's fine. I, I just, I'm learning and I'm learning not to react to it because energetically reacting to it still gives them whatever it is they need. And they're, they're, you know, you don't learn to, um, you don't learn to beat your kids. Somebody beat you. Yeah. You know, we, we don't we don't we learn this stuff i mean every so often there's just a bad seed in the world but i think people really learn a lot of behaviors and then those behaviors get passed forward mm-hmm. if they're under a lot of duress or stress and they become reactionary and mm-hmm. i know i have i know i have been you know terribly tempered around my daughter at times because i was so stressed out so what's the lesson there don't allow that level of stress to set in don't mm-hmm. don't live a life that allows that kind of stress to happen so it's it's just learning. Life is learning. Totally. And we don't get a roadmap. Even if we did, it's kind of like telling a, a, a first time mother when she's nine months pregnant, like, oh, by the way, you're not going to sleep for three months. At least your nipples are going to crack and bleed. 
and you're probably not going to sleep for a year and you might actually go into psychosis because of it. Mm-hmm. And you might have a horrible time losing the weight because your thyroid might completely dump out. You don't tell a pregnant woman that, <laughs> <laughs> right? You just, yeah. I don't tell brand new docs, like, guess what? You had a hard time in school. The next five years are going to be harder than anything you've ever done. Mm-hmm. I don't tell them that. I mean, I let them know it's going to be challenging, but these are the things that we have to live through. And I, I was married to a man who's a dear man, but he was 11 years younger than me. And things would happen and I would get so upset with him. And I'd be like, why don't you get this? Like, why don't you get how you're supposed to act right now? And he was like, cause this has never happened to me before. Right. <laughs> I mean, he right. literally had never been through it. And I was like, yeah. Oh, duh. You know, I mean, we have to allow people to live their life's experiences and, all I can say is I wish I had learned to lift weights and meditate a lot younger. I wish mm-hmm. that wasn't considered like meditation when I was young was considered for like hippies who were weak. Mm-hmm. I was kind of raised in that Midwestern family, you know, right. Right. and I, I wish that hadn't been the case because I would have been, things would have flowed a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think sometimes we're so traumatized and because of whatever adverse childhood events we lived through that we, I know I was, I became very addicted to stress. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when you, when I would hit the flow state, I would almost consider it a threat. Cause mm. if I wasn't feeling, I love the grind. I love kettlebells cause there's grind moves and there's stamina moves. And I love the grind moves cause that's just how my brain is wired, but mm-hmm. you can't grind all the time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I wish that I had, been taught that the flow state was actually the ideal state mm-hmm. instead of me like self-sabotaging with wrenches like well this couldn't be that this great something terrible must be around the next corner mm-hmm. so i might as well throw a wrench in this and make it 10 times harder you know yeah i like that a lot because i i definitely uh, am a grinder like i remember <laughs> i won a award in high school wrestling i was not the best wrestler but i never gave up and I just always kept moving, kept grinding, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I mean, you might beat me, but like, you're not going to stop me. I'll just yeah. keep coming at you, you know? Um, and yeah, I definitely have been addicted. That was a hard learning curve for me coming into adulthood was learning how to like, Brennan, you don't always have to beat the shit out of yourself, man. Like, wh- what are you doing? At some point it becomes just self-abuse, but mm-hmm. you, know, you start kind of equating pain with progress. Yeah. Know? You really do start making that network of the more I grind and the harder I work, generally there is a lot of progress that gets made. But like you said, it's that hormetic mechanism of, well, you apply that stimuli that does push us beyond that comfort zone. We we don't grow within our comfort zone. We only grow when we step into that uncomfortable zone. But you know, you don't grow while you're grinding. You 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 only grow and, and progress when you recover yes. from the grind, you know? Yes, yes, the magic is in the rest. And it's mm-hmm. so hard for me. I know, I think it's why you and I resonate because we both do that. I know we both do that. For me, there was actually pleasure in pain. Yeah, like, yeah. I used to pierce my own ears. I love getting tattooed. Like mm-hmm. I would get hurt in gymnastics and I'd get up with like something dislocated and I'd be like, I'm fine it's great. Like I mm-hmm. almost loved it. And that's all kinds of, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Probably pathologic, but <laughs> it's fine. I get it. Um, I'm learning. I yeah. had to get to 45. I'm actually glad I didn't get to 45 and die. I'm glad I started figuring the things out. So yeah. I hopefully got some good years in me, but yeah. yeah, you know, the magic is in the rest, but then you, you know, the complacency is also like the killer of everything. So you're like, how long do I rest? 
how much, you know, I think the goal though, and I'll tell you my secret is I go on vacation and it takes me a good five days. It did. It used to take me a good three to five days to even come off the mountain and get into the vacation. Mm -hmm. And usually my adrenals would have to crash in that process. Mm -hmm. And then I could enjoy the vacation. And I now I'm finding, so what I did is I started taking and I, you seem to do a good job of this on your travels. I see that you're like, you're at the beach and you're taking the time to go hiking and you're taking these moments when you can at least, mm-hmm. but I can actually drop into a vacation readily quickly now, mm. uh, readily fast. And I, I just have to do it more often. Yeah. I'm really bad about, I, I came from a family where like no one took a vacation since like 1986. Literally mm-hmm. my mom has not had a vacation since 1986. Like as a badge of honor. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Hawaii as often as possible and just learn to like get off the plane, have a day and then be on vacation mode. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it is we are in this culture of like uh, we definitely glorify busyness. Yeah. Oh, and and it's it's not glorified to even though like meditation is probably more popular than ever in one way. But sitting with yourself and not doing something active and constructive is like, what are you lazy? You like, I feel like, I mean, I got like three jobs myself basically, but I feel like if you, you know, you only have one job, like what's wrong with you, lazy piece of shit? Like, it's like, what have we become? Um, It's really remarkable. And so with honor, uh, no, no, uh, bravery and resilience being, uh, Gosh, I think we've made that pretty clear. Those are some fundamental life skills. So then let's uh, chat a little bit and we'll start wrapping up with, um, you know, we're both entrepreneurs, right? And certainly I think we both, um, you've got your tribe, I've got my tribe. And I I do think we've done both a good job of, you know, being brave, putting ourselves out there. And um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on like how all of this stuff we're talking about really relates to uh, being an entrepreneur because holy cow, talk about just forging your own path in this crazy society of ours. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about that before we got on here and I, something Mike, I, uh, one of my business coaches is Ed Rush and I, he's a dear friend of mine. I adore him. And he was, uh, he was a Marine. He was an F-18 fighter pilot. And he always talks about my mission Mm. and I, I have a mission. I've always had a very clearly defined mission. I know you have a mission too. I think that's what differentiates us from the entire pack. Mm, yeah. Jolene Brighton is on a mission. Yeah. She has a very clear defined mission. Yeah. Um, Carrie Jones is on a mission, you know, yeah. and I, I'm mentioning people I know directly that are like friends as well as people that we know in the online space, but um, Karan Krishnan's on a mission. Totally. And so when you're on a mission, it's pretty, and you have grit and tenacity mm-hmm. and you have been knocked around a lot, whether someone else knocked you around or you put yourself in the wrestling ring and got knocked around or whatever, you know, whatever we did to get here. Uh, when you have a mission and you remember that mission and you write that mission down, it, it's pretty hard for people to dissuade you from it or knock you off of it. And the other thing that I will say is that my coach taught me this too. He's like, if it's not in alignment with your mission and it's not easy and light, then it's a no. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's something helpful for you as well. And your listeners It's just, if it's not, because there's a lot of cool stuff, you know, cool shit begets more cool shit. So it's really hard to start. I mean, I, I've been where you are, where it's like everything is coming out. It's still, I get a ton of, I mean, every, almost every day there's an email, like you want to do this, you want to do this. And I mm-hmm. want to say yes to everything. And I can't because I physically cannot yeah. do it. I cannot. And I, 
I've also come to terms with that. I'm 45. I'm not your age. I can't do as much as you're doing. I can't grind as hard and travel as much anymore. I'm okay with that because there's other things I can do that are cool, that are afforded to me at this age group. And so just being at peace with that um, and learning to be alone, I think is absolutely critical. Mm. Like learning to be alone and be okay with that is probably the bravest thing I've ever done. And I've been alone a few times and I love it, to be honest with you. But also knowing that community is critical Yes. My heart rate variability on my aura ring, there's no, I have no affiliation with them, but man, that ring saved my life because like, it tells me when I have community around me and I'm speaking my truth, my mm-hmm. ring, my heart rate variability goes way up. So I'm learning slowly. Um, but I know I'm on a mission and I know all those other things play into it. And so I just keep that in mind. So if I get lonely, I remember like Tina learning to be alone is good. Mm-hmm. And if I get overwrought or I get upset about something, I'm like, you know what? This has nothing to do with my mission. It's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So I just, and, or it's not easy and light. This is too hard. Like hard is okay, but hard when it's not in alignment with your mission, is just a waste of energy Totally. and time. So learning those things is been key for me. And mm-hmm. I think that's been the secret to my success. And I do not give up. I am a terrier. I, I just like failure is, I would not say failure is not an option. I don't even fail. It, it's just it's just my sign to reroute. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not working. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just go do this now. Like, figure a way around it instead of being like, I failed. Mm-hmm. Like, if I do a webinar and one person shows up or zero people show up, I don't even care. I just look at it as an opportunity to create some awesome content, speak my truth, and practice. Yeah. And I will repurpose that content to be something else that I will monetize later. It's fine. It's totally. all, it's, it's, you know, it's just like, there's no, I, I don't know. I don't take, I, I guess failure is not even like, mm-hmm. it's not even on my radar. Makes me think of, um, my favorite animal has always been sharks, specifically great Ooh. white shark. Very, you know, they're, they're, they're the kings of the ocean, large, you know, predators, but very mysterious, very misunderstood. They've got a horrible resting bitch face. Um, but they're very docile creatures. Worse than mine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, you, you and I have pretty solid RBFs. And, you know, with these, these sharks, something I find fascinating besides them being so mysterious and so misunderstood, um, they have to swim to breathe. You know, mm. the, there is no failure you know what is failure you you stop swimming and therefore you stop breathing and you sink to the bottom of the ocean floor and just die like got to swim swim to breathe and you said something you said uh some really juicy key points that kind of brings all this together with you know we're talking about resiliency and bravery but purpose you know and something i'm really hot on these days is like there is scientific literature that shows you know, having a sense of purpose increases longevity or community. You know, we could talk about the Blue Zone book, you know, all day or whatever. But uh, in order for like one of my mentors, Dr. Brian Walsh, who I just have the utmost respect for, amazing, amazing human. Um, but he does such a good job of breaking this down with, you know, levels of uh, organization from, you know, the cell, organ system, organism, um, but, you know, how quite literally uh, we need community. We need a sense of purpose to be healthy at the cellular level or how, you know, loneliness is its own, uh, you know, predictive indicator of all cause mortality. You know, the more lonely you are, the more likely you're going to die young, you know, be overweight, unhealthy. And 
That's where one in six Americans are on antidepressants. One in six Americans are on antidepressants, you know? I know. That's because they're sorely lacking community. Interestingly, though, I would say social media has really provided me a, a tremendous community when done right. Like I, I always say, when social media is done right, it's kind of remarkably totally, fulfilling. Totally. I so there's, there's places to find community. But I, do, we, I think we need to be, you know, to add on to that, something I try to tell my daughter because she really self-isolates. Like your mm. immune system tanks out when you're not around other people. Yeah. And your inflammation skyrockets. Yeah. Because your immune system isn't being, it's not practicing. Mm-hmm. It's not being put into use. So like we have to go out and be around other people. We have to have exposure. We need mm-hmm. biome. You know, like I was with Karan at an event and he was like, he got into a picture and then he got out of it really quick. And I said, I just went over and jokingly said like, oh, you don't want to catch their biome, do you? And he's like, no joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just contagious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. He wasn't saying it about those pe- people in particular, but we were just having a moment. But you're right. Like we need all of that to, mm-hmm. to be, to be healthy, well-rounded people mm-hmm. and to be brave. Like you never know what you're bravery where your bravery may come in or where your mission i never thought i would be leading the charge in trying to keep my profession mm-hmm. moving forward and being successful i never saw myself in this role i had no idea thank god i had a lot of leadership skills going into it like i'd spent my whole life in leadership roles so i was like all right i got this i'll, I'll take the ball yeah and i was talking to paul anderson recently because he and i both were getting hit from mm-hmm. a bunch of different places at the same time and I was, I was like, you know what? Somebody's got to step up. And he was like, yep. And I, oh no, I said, it's a good thing. We both love to fight. <laughs> like we love the fight. We love a good fight, you know, yeah. a good rebellion. Yeah. And, and he said, well, you know, somebody's got to step up. So, and so people like you and I are stepping up yeah. and, I, and I hope that people appreciate it. I know we'll get haters too. That's okay. I would say to them what, you know, Brene Brown, if you're not in the arena, getting your ass kicked too. Yes. Like, shut it. Yeah. I almost I almost brought up Brene a couple times throughout <laughs> this because uh, I'm just like you know man in the I like me a good fight yeah, me I, I like me a good fight I I get off on a good fight to be honest but can, uh, I, can I tell you a favorite thing of mine that I saw yes, once please. you have to go watch that I, I've been meaning to tell you this I said this on another podcast recently so that show Battlestar Galactica the newer one not the one from the 80s when I was a kid but the newer one. Um, there was one episode kind of early on. I, I stopped watching it because it was too depressing to see everybody in the dark. I was like, mm. their circadian rhythms are all messed up. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, <laughs> you can't right. watch this. But um, there was one episode where like once a year, you got to call out whoever you wanted in the entire tribe into the boxing ring. Mm. And so it didn't matter rank. Nothing mattered except if you had beef with them, you got to pull them into the ring and you got to duke it out. Yeah. And I will say the people that I have had, like there's somebody in this in the community right now that like I straight up said, I'm like, we're not having this conversation until we sit down over some whiskey because I have words mm-hmm. like let's drink the whiskey. Let's have the words and then we can figure out how we're going to work together because yeah. there's too much of this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I highly respect this person and they highly respect me. But like we got to get some beef out, you know. So anyway, you get to get into the ring and just beat the whoever beats the crap out of you, whoever wins. Yeah, and and the dispute is settled, and uh, you know, like the mechanic on the ships calls the captain of the ship in the ring, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But rank is irrelevant, and there's no repercussions. So 
And like two lovers ended up in the rink, a man and a woman like beating the crap out of each other. And I was like, I wish more disputes were just handled that way. Honestly. Totally. Like, and then you leave it in the rink. Yeah. Walk out of the rink and it's over. And oh yeah, I think human, you know, I my background, like I said, was in animal behaviorism. And like, you see this with animals constantly. Mm-hmm. Animals just handle it. Yep. Whoever's alpha just handles whatever. Totally. And we have a lot of confusion in rank. Like there, we still, whether people like it or not, there are still ranks mm-hmm. in society. There are still mm-hmm. alpha females and there are still alpha males. And I know when I walk in a room who the alpha females are, and I know my rank pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. People don't want to acknowledge that, but I'm telling you from an animal behaviorism background, we are just fancy mammals and we hold oh, yeah. to the same laws of nature. So it doesn't, and then, you know, you find these beta guys who are over there pounding their chest, trying to look big. And I'm like, if you're a beta, you're a beta. Yeah. You might get to alpha. I don't know. But, and I'm not trying to say like superiority or like Mm. any of that, but I just think energetically we do have, and you can change your rank, Mm -hmm. but there are, there is still a a mammalian ranking system in place. And we have totally discounted that as well. So I just Mm -hmm. think like, if we could just pay it, sniff it out, you know, trust your instincts, sniff it out. It, It would make things so much easier. Oh, I, I really love that in, in, uh, that kind of makes me think the martial arts culture again of like, yeah, like you'll step into the ring and hurt each other a lot, but then you're going to, you're going to bow, you're going to shake hands, you're going to honor each other. Um, I always love samurai culture and, you know, the animal behavior, I love how, yeah, you know, us humans, we, we love to think how we're, we're very special very special creatures and we've, you know, just overcomplicated <laughs> everything, but we're still animals. And that's where like, I love the Instagram page. Nature is metal. Do you follow yeah, that? Yeah. Just savage, just Brutal. animals ripping it. But what, what's kind of cool though, is animals don't kill animals for the sake of killing animals. Nope. You know, they kill for the sake of eating or defending or whatever. But when it comes to dispute, um, they don't generally kill each other. It's, you know, who like this grizzly bear, you know, pinned down this grizzly bear yep. and established itself as the alpha. They don't need to rip the beta's throat out. They just, nope. I have dominated you. I am the alpha. They, the animals don't kill until they have to for survival or, or food, you know? And they don't fuck with each other when they feel insecure. Yeah. Which we do all the time. Totally. Well, there's not the especially the women. Women to other women are horrible. Women yeah. are so oh. like, oh, I feel insecure, so I'm just going to be shitty to all these other women, and it's like yeah. that's not how this works. No. <laughs> like yeah. we're we're supposed to band together. We're already second tier. Totally. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, I love that you have a, a animal behavior background. I didn't know that. It, like you're just you're just uh, <laughs> all sorts of wondrous. My goodness. Oh, thank you're, you. You're I'm just a weird. A weird little gal in Portland. I know. I, I think of things from these standpoints, though. So it's confusing me when I see humans act a certain way because I'm like, this is not in alignment with the laws of nature. Right. Yeah. We've we've mutated. You know. I, I worry about like I, I dream of a day where maybe eventually we uh, you know we repopulate the planet with more wildlife, but it's probably all going to be like GMO because we have to like artificially reproduce, you know, biological life on this planet because we killed it all off. And then it's just this very, yeah, it's going to be a very mutagenic world. And, and, you know, I I feel like we are kind of mutating a lot in weird ways where, you know, yeah, we we're finding instead of just letting the, like what is motion energy in motion. Right. And, 
you know, whereas an animal, if an animal gets frustrated, like a gorilla, it might flip over a rock. It might flip. Now, obviously I'm not saying it's appropriate for people to go flip over a car when they get mad, but like we, you got to express that energy or that emotion, AKA let the emotion be energy in motion. Like let it dissipate and energy's never produced or destroyed. So let it flow a little bit, Mm -hmm. but all this, you know, because we can't just do that. We can't just settle in the ring and be respectable. It's this conniving, twisted, ah, just gross, you know? It's a mess. Sometimes you just, there's cultures where people, you know, when people die, the women just howl. Yeah. And sorrow. And I get it. Like, I've had people die. Like, my first reaction was just to scream, mm. like, like from the depths of my soul, scream. And people are like, you're not handling this grief well. I'm like, who, when did you make the rules on grief? Right. <laughs> You know, two things. Did Jolene mention this when you interviewed her? Um, she probably, she may have, but she's like the pill expert, you know? And um, yeah. when women are on the pill, so we sniff out our partners, right? Ceremonially, we sniff out our partners. Mm-hmm. And I, I discovered this a long, long time ago because of my animal behaviorism background. We sniff out those who have opposite immune systems than us. So when we reproduce, mm-hmm. we don't end up creating a bunch of genetic malformations and issues. Um, when you're on the pill, you lose your sniffer. Mm, she didn't say anything about that you you end up mating with people who aren't necessarily the best person to be mating with for your immune system and so Mm. this is often i wonder what the repercussions are on the entire human race yo because of genetic combinations that maybe weren't ideal Mm -hmm. and maybe why we're having such an uptick in autoimmunity and other conditions Mm -hmm. and then secondly i've seen a lot of women who went off patients who went off the pill after having the baby they have the baby the man gets snipped they go off the pill suddenly they don't like their husband anymore Mm -hmm. they don't smell right Mm -hmm. right suddenly the pills out and they're like oh wait my sniffer's working oh you don't smell Right. So mm-hmm. that's a huge one. Like we just need to sniff each other out. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. Like when I go on a date, you know, online dating sucks, but like, I'm like, I need to literally sniff the person. Like I need yeah. to smell you and make sure you smell right. And then the second thing is I had a, I have always had pet rats like on and off throughout my life. Uh, I love rats. Rats are really intelligent creatures. Yeah, they I are. had this really cool female and my daughter and I went to the um, pet store and there was this little hairless rat and I think it wasn't like purposely hairless I think it was like genetically something was off and we bring the little hairless baby home and she's like she's five my daughter and she said oh the, the my my rat will love a new baby to take care of and I was like I don't know if we should put them in the same cage and I was trying to put the baby in a separate cage and then I don't know what happened but we decided to let them out together and I had I had mama rat. She had baby rat. I let go of mama rat. She scurried over right towards my daughter, dumped her teeth into the skull of the baby rat, killed it instantly in front of my five-year-old daughter's holding it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. Bad call. Yeah. <laughs> Your animal behavior mama. Um, but it was a huge lesson. And she said, why, did, you know, she's screaming. And then when I calmed her down, she's like, why did she do that? I said, because she knew something was wrong with it. And she was, and I'm not saying that's what we need to do. With no, yeah. <laughs> but when you think about the repercussions of the birth control pill of like creating potential genetic mutations that are not ideal for longevity. Totally. I wonder eventually what's, maybe that's why we have, I don't know. I, I'm totally hypothesizing here, but like 
maybe that's why people are having some disrest. I mean, we are that generation where mm-hmm. we're, that has already happened. We're grownups now we're reproducing. Mm-hmm. So like, I just wonder, you know, since that the pill was introduced in the sixties, like what has that done to society as a mm-hmm. whole? And is, is this why we're seeing like changes in temperament or totally. I, it's very theoretical, but I just wanted to share that with you. Because. Oh, I love, I love that. I do very much think uh, it's a very interesting time to be alive. I mean, I think just being the, the, phenomena of life is just crazy in itself but you just kind of look at where we came from of all right you know 2000 bc or whatever pyramids and um but holy cow our the the landscape of existential reality has dramatically exponentially changed you know in the past 100 years you know it's like you look at 1820s to 1920s Okay, I'm not saying there wasn't a big leap in technology or whatever, but was it really that different? But you look at 1920 to 20, 1920 was the Great Depression. Yeah. 2020, we live in a virtual world where our avatars are like, oh, so I think um, very pivotal time in human existence because of technology, the microchip, synthetic chemical manufacturing, technology with drugs and surgery. Uh, and we as a species are very much tampering with the balance of, of nature. Nature doesn't really make mistakes. It either works or it doesn't work. It either right. fades in or out of existence. As soon as mankind started tampering, we just opened up Pandora's box and that dog is beautiful. What kind of dog? <laughs> Looks like Hank the Fox dog. <laughs> I know. She came from the same place. She's Hank oh. the Fox dog's girlfriend. <sighs> They haven't met yet, but we're waiting. This is Sansa. She's a Basenji mix with something. I don't know, but she's a sweet girl. Are are you as extra as Carrie? Does does she have a Instagram page? No, 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 no. (laughs) I don't have that kind of of I I bandwidth. But but, uh, Hank asked Sansa if she wanted to Netflix and chill the other night on the post of Sansa. (laughs) Oh my! Oh my! I need a. I need a. Hank would like to meet. Meet Miss Sansa here. They look oh. little red beauties together. Yeah, um, yeah, no. So, I mean, what you said, and then, like, think about the disruption of, like, EMFs on <sighs> the microbiome. <sighs> think about the craziness of toxicity on the microbiome. Throw in what I just mentioned, potentially, as having an impact of, like, crazy genetic combinations that maybe weren't ideal for generations on end. I mean, we've just got a lot. We've just messed up the soup a lot. Yeah. A lot There's of variables. Just a lot of variables and... That's why I think it's really critical to have an animal in our life because oh. animals like that's our symbiotic relationship to nature. Totally. And uh, the perfect demonstration of unconditional love. That's all dogs. Dogs don't know how to do anything but love you. Yeah. It's, mm, it's yeah and she, she protects me. And that's how I met Karan because I heard him speak and he talked about how you have to have a dog to have a healthy microbiome. And I, I was at an event and I was like, I emailed him and I'm like, we have to be best friends. <laughs> Totally. Totally. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I was really glad to hear Karan talk about it was crazy ironic too, because like a little bit before the FDN conference, I don't know what got me thinking about it, but I was thinking about um, yeah, like obviously you know, humans don't eat their their own feces, whereas a lot of animals do, you know, rabbits in particular love to or dogs eat their own shit all the time. But then like boogers, you know, we breathe in all this shit into our nose. You know, then we get these boogers. And of course, like, you know, you get little kids eating their own boogers. So I kid you not. So Quran lecturing at the FDN conference, he brought up booger eating. 
And he's like, well, that's basically your vaccine right there. Like you're, you're giving yourself a dose of that environmental shit to prime your immune system. I was like, I knew, I knew you and I were on the same page about this. Thing. <laughs> he's a genius. I love, I love that him. Guy. Yeah. I love how the world has come together for all of us. It's, it's yeah. cool. So. Well, I love our industry. It's, it's the best. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, what an amazing conversation. I mean, <laughs> I know. We, I know. And, you know, I loved, I remember when we, yeah, you're, we first met. It's kind of funny hearing this backstory now because it was like, you know, Carrie's so sweet. Carrie's just the sweetest. And then, you know, Jolene came by the booth. You came by the booth. I loved your energy that no bullshit, (laughs) like say it how it is. Um, So I'm so glad that our paths crossed this year. And it's been such an honor to have you on this podcast. And I will be at your summit. Yes. And I will be at your event. We will send, we will send each other dates. So we put them in the calendar. Okay. Exactly. Absolutely. It was such an honor to be on here. Um, Yeah. It's great. People are looking for me in my, big mouth you can find me on instagram <laughs> yeah so i was gonna say we'll have all of your all of your yeah. links and any anything you want to plug in and whatever we'll have all of it right there with our episode and of course we'll be sure to let you know when the episode goes live it's usually like two months after the recordings kind of the the general timeline depending on no the worries but, they shadow banned me recently so i'm kind of i'm on a bender yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've got well, more for them to shadow ban <laughs> pull, pull you out of the shadow here yeah no, I'm ready to go. I'm like, oh, really? You didn't like that? What else will they not like? Oh, I know. <laughs> big big brother on the internet. Yeah. Well, All right. Like well, thanks for having here. me on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Love you, Tina. And I'm Love sure we'll talk soon, my friend. Bye. Bye.